This morning I will be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 to 10, the New Revised Standard Version. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Well, God calls us in lots of different ways. Um, sometimes it's a call of availability, and so I'm thankful for uh, some folks here in the sanctuary this morning that happen to be available to help, uh, help us with our service this morning. Um, we are continuing our series on hearing God's call, and we're, and we're talking about vocation, which means calling, and so we don't want to exactly confuse that with our occupation. Uh, vocation is the way that we are called to uh, live and called to uh, serve and partner with God in God's mission. Uh, occupation could be a part of that, but we're looking at how God calls us and how God equips us to partner with God in God's unfolding mission in the world. And so the story of Samuel's uh, calling is one of the most uh, recognized stories of God audibly calling someone forward, audibly calling uh, someone to, to partner with God. And so we're going to be looking at this story this morning. As we look at it, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the calling that you place on each of our lives to serve, to um, 
love you, to proclaim your good news, to love those around us. As we look at this story this morning, would you open our ears, open our hearts to the way that you are calling each one of us. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you speak through me or despite me this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me start by giving a little bit of context to this story. At the beginning of, <clears throat> at the, beginning of the book of 1 Samuel, we meet a man named Elkanah, who we're told has two wives. His first wife is Hannah, who has no children. Um, she's not been, been blessed with, with these children. But we're told in, in the uh, details of the story that despite her having no children, we're told that her husband loved her. Contrast that with uh, Elkanah's second wife, Penina, who had children. Uh, and we're not actually given the additional detail that uh, his, her husband loved her. And so we're kind of uh, introduced to this rivalry of sorts uh, between these two women. One who has children, and in the ancient world, children were everything. Uh, they, they continued on the family name. They continued on the line. Um, it was um, a huge blessing, as it continues to be a blessing in our world, but um, maybe with um, an extra level of uh, social uh, standing. And so there is this rivalry. And Hannah, it longs to have children of her own. And she pleads with God for a son. In fact, she actually goes to the temple and, and she is begging and pleading with God. And she, she comes and finally resolves, God, if you give me a son, I will bring him back to you. I will dedicate his life to your service. I will bring him back and he will serve in the temple. Well, God delivers on the promise and so Hannah also delivers. She eventually takes Samuel to serve at the temple under the priest Eli. And there's an important um, note at the, the end of the story uh, that while Eli tried to be a faithful servant, his sons were, were serving as priests. They were wicked and they were abusing their power as priests. And so... Um, Eli is going to experience some, some judgment from God. Um, he's going to uh, have a hard message uh, of judgment proclaimed uh, against him. And so all of that is kind of background for the story uh, that as we enter it today. At the beginning of this story then in verse 1b, we hear these words, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. It's, it's setting up the story for us to understand that when Samuel starts to hear God's voice, um, there's no reason why he should think that it's God at the very beginning. This, 
Samuel would have grown up hearing the stories about how God had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. He would have grown up hearing the stories of, of how God had spoken to Moses in the burning bush and how God had continued to reveal himself. But that was in the past. That was a long time ago. And so Samuel is coming into this different situation and, and maybe we shouldn't expect that he knows right away that he's being called by God. God calls to Samuel audibly and by name. And uh, Samuel runs to Eli. He hears this voice, Samuel, Samuel. <clears throat> and so Samuel is obedient as far as he knows. He responds in ways that he knows, but it, that leads him to Eli. And so you can't really blame Samuel because uh, you and I as the reader have a fuller picture of what's going on. So Samuel runs to Eli in the middle of the night, wakes him up and says, here I am, you called. Now, I don't know um, how many of you have had the experience of being woken up by a child in the middle of the night. We've had several of those instances in the last few years. I remember one such occasion where... um, I was, I was asleep, but I, I started to have this sense that something was looking at me. And I, I happened to roll over and open my eyes, and one of our kids is just standing there next to the side of my bed, staring at me. It was the most frightening, frightening um, situation in my life to have somebody suddenly there looking at you, not speaking a word. Uh, We've had other instances a couple weeks ago. um, Katie was out and and the boys and I had watched a movie and Garrett felt that at three in the morning, this was an important detail to report to mommy uh, that we had watched watched a movie. And we said thank you and and sent him back to bed. And so we understand maybe a little bit of Eli's... um, emotions when he's being woken up by this child in the middle of the night saying, here I am, you called me. And Eli must have responded, um, you know, kind of being woken up and out of the middle of nowhere. You know, you've had that experience where it's hard to respond when you are woken out of a dead sleep. And he says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. I, I think I imagine there's there's some emotion behind those words when we hear that. I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. It's the middle of the night. What are you doing? Eli sends him back to bed. I didn't call you. Go lie down. And then it happens again. Samuel hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And again, he, he runs to Eli. Here I am. You called me. Oh, the sleepless nights where the child just keeps coming up and, and has, you know, I need a drink. I need, I'm sure that's what's going through Eli's mind at first. The writer begins to tip his hand then so that we see a little of, of Samuel's future that God will be speaking often to him, but it hasn't happened yet. And so this is a, a new experience for Samuel. Again, the Lord calls Samuel, Samuel. Samuel hears, and eventually he gets up and and responds. See, God is persistent in calling us. Samuel doesn't get it 
gift at first. He doesn't respond to the right person at first. And so God just continues to call him. You know, I believe that we have choice in, in how we respond to God, how we um, choose to partner with God, if we choose to go along with God's mission or not. I believe we have choice in that. But you know, the truth is that sometimes God wears us down too. God is patient and persistent in his call. Samuel is available. He's, he's willing to serve if only he can respond in the right way. If only his, his willingness, his availability can be turned in, in the right direction. If only he can hear who it is who is actually calling him. He just has to figure out what's going on and who it is that is calling him to service. I got to hand it to Eli, after the boy is coming back and waking him up all these times, I'm not sure that I would have the patience that Eli does in the middle of the night. I get a little grumpy in the middle of the night when I'm woken up. Go back to bed. I'll talk to you in the morning. But finally, Eli starts to perceive what's happening. He starts to realize that someone is really calling Samuel. And he knows it's not him. He's been asleep. One of the things that uh, I see in this story is the role that uh, mature people of faith have in our lives in helping us uh, discern how God is specifically calling us. In this story, we, we see Hannah, Samuel's mother, how she places her son in a position of service and places him before the Lord, places him in, in the Lord's care. We also see Eli, even in the middle of the night, he starts to figure out what's going on, that this child is being called specifically by God for a specific purpose, a specific mission right now. He starts to figure out that something else is going on. Let me talk first of all to parents. Parents, we have a, a role to play in consistently placing our children in a position to see what it means to love God, to serve God, to, to worship God. You and I have that very important role to continue to place our children before God's presence. We can't make the decisions for them. This is what we believe in, in, in the Church of the Brethren, that, that baptism, that, that faith is, is something each of us choose to enter into, that this, this relationship with God is something we have to choose for ourselves. But that doesn't mean that we sit back and do nothing. We consistently place our children in a position where they're going to hear the good news, where they're going to see what it means to love God and to serve others. It doesn't mean you have to uh, drop your child off at the, at the church this week and, and say, well, here you go, Pastor Adam. I, I've placed my son or placed my daughter here at your service. Um, that's not quite how this works. But to be bringing your children to hear the stories of, of God at work 
in our world. To be, to be bringing them and be a part of the family of faith that we call the church, this is part of our role, part of our vocation as parents. Now let me talk a little bit to the larger church family. You know, ultimately Samuel is going to have to decide whether or not to respond to the Lord's call for himself. Ultimately, he has to decide whether the next time he hears the voice, he's going to actually say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He has to make that decision for himself. But the community, Samuel's parents, more experienced mentors play a huge role in getting Samuel oriented in the right direction. Without Eli's guidance, perhaps Samuel just keeps coming in the middle of the night and, and trying to wake up Eli. If he doesn't have that mentor, that, that more uh, spiritually mature person to start to understand who it is that's calling Samuel. In my own life, mentors have have played a huge role in helping me discern uh, the specific ways God might be calling me. When I started to have, uh, you know, a sense that maybe my vocation was tied to my occupation, and so my calling might mean a set-apart ministry as a pastor, uh, I took that sense, that, that sense of call to uh, those that were more mature than me, that maybe had a better sense of how God calls us, that also had a sense of who I was and how I was wired and how I was gifted. And I took that and I, I said, you know, I, I think God might be calling me in this specific way. And, and I remember praying together and, and spending uh, months and, and actually years in uh, having them discern that call together. When I, I started to have a sense that maybe I was being called, uh, again, with my vocation and my occupation, to come to uh, this congregation called Spring Creek Church of the Brethren, I, I entered into that call and that discernment, not by myself, not just me and Katie, but um, with uh, some trusted mentors and some trusted um, co-disciples for us to discern that call together. So I think the, the community of faith, hearing God's call together, spending time in earnest prayer of discernment is so important for our lives that we don't make these decisions out on our own, separated from the family of faith. But the family of faith actually plays such an important role and helping us hear God's call accurately. You know, I don't think we give enough emphasis to the role of community in discerning vocation, in discerning call today. Years ago, I was part of a, a, a church that was um, asking this guest to come and, and speak at the church, which, you know, often happens in the church uh, throughout the year, we, we invite guests to come and speak. And usually that involves, you know, a couple of calls or a couple of emails and making sure that it fits in the calendar, it fits the schedule. 
and, uh, and you, you, you line everything up. Well, this guest we called, and we started to, to line up, and, and the calendars started to seem to line up. But this, this speaker said, before I come, I need to meet with my, with my small group, and we need to discern whether this is God's will for me, for us, and for you. And so they met and they prayed about it in advance of coming to hear if this was really God's call on them, on the guest, and on the, the community of faith he was going to be coming and speaking to. Now look, I'm not suggesting that every life decision that we ever make, that an individual ever makes, has to go through a committee. I'm not suggesting it. What I am saying is that being surrounded by those who are also committed to following Jesus, who are also committed to hearing God's call on our lives and meeting together, I, I believe that the community of faith has a valuable role in helping us discern God's voice and how we are being called specifically to live out our vocation. You know, in the end, Samuel gets oriented the right way to hear and respond to God's call. So that when the Lord comes again and says, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel can actually stop and respond, speak, your servant is listening. You know, one of the hardest parts of this story, though, wasn't, is actually in the verses after what was read for us this morning. You know, when I was a, a child, we, we heard this story a lot. And it's this beautiful story of God calling Samuel. But we often stop right where we did this morning, where, where Samuel responds, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And we don't go on to what God actually calls Samuel to. And so I will invite you after worship this morning or whenever you're, you participate in worship uh, to go and read the verses that follow, to read the hard message that Samuel is instructed to go and to give to his mentor, Eli. The hard part is the, the message and the mission that the Lord sends Samuel on. He now is going to go back to Eli and to announce that God is going to execute judgment on Eli and on his sons. And Samuel actually hesitates to deliver the message to his mentor. Eli actually has to, to drag the message out of Samuel and, and in, actually, to be honest, in some ways, kind of threaten Samuel to Tell me the news. Tell me your message. It says something about what it means to partner with God. There is often a sense of relief in responding to and partnering with God in God's mission. When we finally respond to that, sometimes when, when God is, is wearing us down, there's some relief. There's, there's a sense of, ah. Oh, when we finally respond to God's call. But I also want you to know that living out our vocation is not always roses. 
there is a hard truth that you will never be more free than when you follow Jesus. But in following him, you must also learn to lay down your life, to pick up your cross and follow him. It's one of these strange things about what it means to partner with God. We're never more free than when we're in relationship with Jesus. And it will never demand more of us than when we are in relationship with Jesus. So our role in hearing and responding to God's voice is that each of us is called by God, called or invited to join to repent and turn away from our old way of living and to live in relationship with Jesus. Each of us is is gifted and wired in unique ways, and God wants to partner with us in the way we are gifted and wired to further his kingdom. And so each of us as individuals needs to learn to hear and respond to God's vocation. But we don't do it alone. The community of faith helps us learn how to tune our hearing and our lives to respond to God's call. Parents, mentors, friends, sisters and brothers in Christ, sisters and brothers in the, in the family of faith are also listening, sometimes getting woken up in the night with, with strange questions sometimes working through the hard calls of vocation on each of our lives. This is part of what it means when we are focused on growing, sharing, and serving, connected to God through the work of Jesus and connected to one another as the body of Christ. May we learn to tune our ears to hear God's call. May we live in faith and faithfulness to God's call. And may we all live out our God-given vocation each day. God bless you. Have a great week, Spring Creek.